to another episode of Quality Man here to show up for Christian men seeking to understand how to apply God's truth in everyday life. I'm one of the hosts of the show, PJ Burner, along with my co-host, Kellen Allen. What's up? And we are joined in studio with a special guest this week. We have the senior pastor of Compass Bible Church in Aliso Viejo, which is where Kellen and I serve on staff and attend. Uh, pastor Mike Fabares is joining us. Hello, everyone. It's good to, good to be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for being uh, with us, Pastor Mike. We are uh, here to talk about church planting with you. Um, it's a good topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, we were just talking before getting started with the episode. Lifeway just released a, a study that said that churches are closing their doors at a record pace in our country. Probably a lot of that has to do with COVID and, and uh, just financial constraints and things, but also in an increasingly secular society that we find ourselves in. But from, from the time that you started Compass uh, Bible Church here, church planning was always not just part of your plan, but you made it one of our distinctives here. Can you kind of give us an idea of why that was always on your mind from the beginning? You didn't think, well, I'm going to do satellite campuses, or I just want to build the biggest church that I possibly can. But no, we want to plant churches. Yeah, I had, I had the experience of being at a church for 17 years and not planting a single English-speaking church. So I felt like after that tenure that uh, we really didn't do more than just invest in our own church family, and I thought, that's not right. We should be expanding this ministry uh, more than just sending money to missionaries in other places, but we ought to be seeing a multiplication of our own ministry, which was healthy and thriving. We ought to see that in other places. And so when we started this church, uh, it was one of my convictions to multiply. And I knew that was going to take some time, but that, I think, is one of the best ways we can make sure the ministry does not rely on a single person or a single personality or a single preacher, but we keep multiplying congregations that are healthy in their own right, they're self-supporting, they're self-governing, uh, they're, they're, they're the kinds of churches that are going to do in other places what we are doing here. And I, I knew that in the end of our lives, we'll look back and say, uh, we had a bigger footprint for Christ and the kingdom if we can multiply this in other places. Yeah, that's great. Um, Pastor Mike, what, when you think about planting churches, what are some of the, the greatest challenges that you've seen? Uh, obviously, you've planted multiple churches now, and what are some of the greatest rewards that you've seen from these churches as well? Yeah, well, you know, you think about all those churches closing, and it's easy to close a church. I guess emotionally it's hard to close a church, but starting a church, it just takes every—you've got you've to build— Everything. Everything's got to get put together. You mm -hmm. need a ton of money. That's probably one of the biggest, uh, humanly speaking, biggest barriers to church planning. Um, and, and you need a team of, of leaders and committed core people, and that's just hard. And no church is uh, in the habit, without a vision at least, of giving away uh, a lot of money and a lot of key workers and a lot of leaders mm -hmm and in our case, staff members, to uh, a work that's not going to directly benefit us. Okay. So it's it's that's the biggest challenge. And the biggest reward, it's a lot like parenting. It's seeing your church plants thrive and make a difference in the world without you being actively involved in it. Right. Uh, I mean, we're involved in our church plants, but just to see uh, like a child grow up and make a difference in the world, it's it's gratifying. Uh, you know, John said, no greater joy he has than to see his children walking in the truth. And uh, there's something not only about churches that continue to preach the word faithfully, but they're affecting more people than you could affect on your own. You, if you had 12 children right. and, and you think about what they can do if they share your commitment to the Lord and values for excellence and all the rest, 
you know, your offspring are going to make a huge difference. And, and that's what our church as an entity, as a group, uh, we're seeing that multiplied. And there's nothing really more gratifying than that. It, it, it multiplies. It continues on. And uh, that's what we're here to do. We're here to make a difference in this generation for Christ. And I think church planning is the most effective way to do that. Yeah. I'm sure you, you've probably over the years had congregants come up to you and say, hey, why are we doing this? It's a financial burden to the church, or I'm losing friends. And, you know, what, what's typically your, your response to them when you hear that pushback on you know, sending a church out? I try to remind them what we're here to do, which is to make disciples in our church. And, you know, we have our baptisms and people give their testimonies, and that's very gratifying. And I remind them that the most effective way to see this just take off to see more of this is to start churches. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the number one evangelistic means of, of seeing people reach for Christ. It's not crusades or big assemblies or sending people out to the malls and talking one-on-one. It's starting a new church in a new place that has the excitement and the synergy and the, and the, the motivation of saying, we're going to reach this community for Christ. You see more people brought to faith in Christ. So mm-hmm. if someone says, wow, we're investing a lot of money and we're losing our friends and they're moving into this community and you know that's a big sacrifice, which it is, um, I don't think it takes long to remind them that this is what we're commissioned to do, make disciples. We're doing it here as best we can, but we can only do so much in our backyard uh, effectively, and we just need to start planning. And we've planted churches just beyond the the fence of our backyard, right? We've got a church that's not even, I don't know, 13, 14 miles away that's doing work over there that we can't do here. We've got one up the freeway that's, I don't know, 20 miles away, 25 miles away. We we are seeing ministry expanded, and I try to remind people, yeah, there are are pains involved in planting churches, and there are costs involved. But, um, man, look at what's happening, and you should be gratified that we are hitting the goal of making disciples. Yeah. So some of those those costs, uh, the traditional church plant model says, okay, I'm maybe a lone ranger or maybe I have a, a supporting church, but their support is maybe we'll send a handful of people with you and go good, you know, good luck. So you've planted two churches in Southern California, one in Huntington Beach, one in Tustin, uh, which if you're listening to outside the area is near Irvine, California. It's it's not a, a affordable area to try to say, I'm going to strike out and, and start a church. You know, we've got a church out in Boise, Idaho now, um, another new one that is is uh, coming up in, in South Texas in the Hill Country area. What what have you you done? You, you know, you've said, I, I don't I want these churches to be successful and they have been successful. I mean, the church plants that you've sent out from Compass have, have been doing an awesome job. How has this mentality of this sacrificing, as we've been talking about here, played into you saying this is ultimately good for these pastors because uh, you see so many church planters say, I'm going to go do it, and then they fizzle out? Yeah, and I think it's one of the problems with church planning in general is that pastors who are commissioned by churches to do this are left with very little financial support. And let's just get back to the main thing. And, you know, this is a spiritual podcast, but money is what is needed to rent schools, to buy equipment, to have speakers and microphones and pay your child care workers and buy insurance and all the things you need to do to do church. And um, those pastors go out with a pat on the head, sometimes from ascending church, and they become fundraisers. And I've always said, I want our pastors that are gifted and trained and called to do ministry to focus 100% of their time on doing ministry. Um, And of course, there's always an internal concern about making sure the budget numbers are met, but uh, I want to be able to give them what they need to focus on that and not send them out as fundraisers. So it, it, it is expensive and it is hard, 
but I always think if God is in it, um, and this is what God wants, and He's accomplishing His goals through us, then uh, the, the, the needs are going to be met. And so we are going to send our church planners out uh, to not be sending letters out to say, help me. Uh, and I should say, theologically, that I don't think someone starting a, a church on their own in their living room is a biblical model of church planting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you should be sent. Someone should, quote-unquote, lay hands on you. I say, quote-unquote, because that's in the Scripture, which is a sign, a symbolic sign of churches saying, we authorize you to do this. Uh, church leadership is is top-down in the sense that pastors... Uh, they ordain and they commission pastors, uh, and, and churches, if they have the right history, should look back and see that some set of pastors have laid hands on a pastor to commission them to do the work. So uh, we are sending them out, and we're trying to say, let's have the mother church, the sending church, pay the bills, and let's see you focus on this uh, and do the work of evangelism and church planting. And uh, we'll see what God does. And in 18 months, and most of the church plants we've had within 18 months, that's the max, they've uh, been able to support themselves. And that, that to me, is, is a sign of God's affirmation that what we're doing is, is right. And that, that's a hard thing, I think, for the average church to do, because as we started the podcast, how's that help us? And, and again, we should not be thinking we're building a country club as a church. We're reaching people for Christ. We're trying to accomplish the Great Commission, and church planting does that. Right. right. And one of the things I've, I've learned just serving with you over the past few years, Pastor Mike, is this isn't about, hey, we think we can do something better, so we're going to go over here and, and do this thing brand new. In fact, just your own story and starting Compass, there were people that wanted you to start the church before you were ready to do that. You went out, like you were saying, and you found a team of pastors and sought counsel from outside to make sure that they were behind this, that this wasn't you just saying, well, I'm going to build my empire, but you wanted that commissioning there. Yeah. Um, because it's right. Yeah. I mean, that's the right thing, right? You should be under the leadership of others who are affirming this in the biblical model. First Timothy 4.14, the idea of laying hands on other pastors. And I just think there always should be a reluctance uh, to step into something like church planting. And I think pastors mm-hmm. in existing churches ought to be pushing and encouraging and saying, you got this, you can do this in Christ, you can make this happen, we affirm you, and we're going to put some money on the table that says, let's uh, pay for the the middle school uh, rental contract, let's buy you a soundboard, let's get you up and running. And and that's not going to happen overnight. Um, the guys even that commissioned me to, to plant this church, they knew me, they'd known me for years, uh, they believed in the ministry, they've seen the fruitfulness of the ministry that I'd done in the past, and we do a lot of investing in the pastors we send out to make sure that we know that they're gifted, they're called, they're qualified, and uh, we say we believe in you. But it is hard work. But again, I, I want us all to think. A hundred years from now, we're all going to be dead. Right. And what's going to matter is not, did our church have a great gymnasium, you know, or, or did we have great carpet or, or fantastic sound systems? It's, did we reach people for Christ? That's what matters, right? Our job is to call people to repentance. It's why Christ has not been dispatched to get the church yet. Uh, God wants everyone to come to the come to repentance, and and we want to get as many people saved as possible. So this is what we should do. I don't think we're going to regret a hundred years from now that we sacrifice things in our church to plant churches, and and it's hard. Uh, for these new churches to even catch that vision right out of the gate, right? Mm-hmm. We, we send them off not only with our doctrinal statements, 
Uh, but we send them off with our values, and our value is, number eight, to plant new churches. Always be working to plant new churches. So they need to see from the get-go, this is what we're going to do, which means all the money, all the effort, all the resources, all the staff, all the volunteers, we're starting to think from the very beginning, who can we send out in an area in this valley or in this area, this community, this this suburb, and and how can we plant these churches? Now, you know, we're doing a podcast as though we planted hundreds. We haven't because we aren't just saying, hey, any seminary grad, you want to come be a, a Compass pastor? We're trying to merge staff pastors on our team, showing them how to get this done, and that takes years, right? right? And and then we can say, okay, we believe in you, we're going to invest in you, we're going to send 200 or 150 of our best people with you, and uh, that's, that's, that's how these churches, I think, have been carefully... Uh, vetted, as opposed to some church planning movements that God has blessed, where people just say, hey, you want our name? Go take our name and right. find a strip mall and rent it out and go do it. And and we're saying, um, this is a little different. And that's why our, our hit ratio of success, you know, in terms of it, does it sustain, does it work, are they are people being ministered to? It's been, been high, about a thousand, because the investment on the front end and uh, I just encourage all pastors, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and your church is thriving, before you look at your budgets and say, well, what can we do next to make things more comfortable for our congregation? I think you should say, how can we plant a church? Those churches that are closing, some of them need to close. I remember right. Haddon Robinson, I think it was once said, you know, one of the hardest things for a church to do is to have a funeral for itself. You know, you've got to know right. when it's time to shut the doors, and right. all these churches should. And I should say, too, who knows who's going to hear this? You might have a building you need to give to a church plant, a Bible teaching right. church plant that's convictional, it's found, it's confessional, it, it, it believes in in the mission, and you say, look, we got a, you know, a facility, you guys come in, take it over, step out of the way, and see God use that resource for good. Right. Uh, so all those closing churches, great, let's put the resources in new churches, uh, and I know that's different than a turnaround church. It is hard uh, to take a, a church and turn it around. There's so many things existing there that make it hard to turn around, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. There's a, there's a, I've done it. I mean, I came into a church that was 35 years old. It was atrophied. It had its heyday probably 15 years before I got there. And by God's grace, God turned it around. Um, but that's super hard right. and it takes years. And, you know, I was there for so many years. But what it takes in a new church plant usually is everything is positioned properly. It can get up and running fast and right. reach its community quickly. Yeah. Pastor Mike, we when you look at this year right now, coming off the heels of COVID, <clears throat> we most people we read an article that said more Protestant churches have closed down over the past year than they opened up for the first time in a long time. Uh, we just sent out a church plant uh, to the hill country of Texas. Talk to us about why was it important to send that church out now and not even delay it to say, you know what, let, let COVID kind of play itself out and let's wait till the economy gets back and then we'll send out a church. Why was it important to send it out now and let that church uh, go out? Well, I mean, we're not going to be stupid, but I'm thinking, why should we let anything get in the way, mm. right? I mean, we have a team. We had planned to send them out this year. And um, why can't we, mm. right? And by God's grace, we opened up a place for us to meet. We got plenty of people that are willing to go. And we say, let's just do it. Why wait? And, and to us, I think here, as you know, 
Um, if there's a, a biblical objective, you better have some really good reasons to say we're going to either not do it or we're going to slow down or postpone it. Um, that's just not our way around mm-hmm. here. Let's get it done because Christ could come back, to, you know, a year from now, and I'd sure like to get a year of that church in the hill country of Texas doing its thing um, because, I, you know, the church has been through a lot of stuff with pandemics and, you know, natural disasters throughout the last 2,000 years, and uh, Christ is going to build his church in the gates of hell or COVID or anything else isn't going to stand against it. Right. Yeah, and I think that's true. We've seen that here at Compass AV of just the amount of people that have gotten saved through COVID or amount of people that have started coming to church because of COVID. And so, uh, yeah, I think the the enemy can use that as a, a reason to, to sort of run away from the church. But we've seen God's faithful hand in bringing people to our church uh, through this this you know, unprecedented time that we've had. Now, let me talk about that for a second. If you as a leader can keep your eye on the ball, which is the goal, right? You have to have your goals clear in your mind. Uh, then you can adapt. You can adapt programming like we did here. You know, you know we can meet outside. Mm-hmm. We can do a lot of different things to be nimble as an organization, changing programs out, changing situations and staffing or whatever it might be. Um, but we're going to keep going at the task because we know what the goal is. You know, it, it's not like a sports, you know, situation where if – you know, the refs don't show up, we can't play, or if the lights are out, we can't do it. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is like an army. It doesn't matter if it's raining or it doesn't matter if there's a natural disaster, if there's a volcano, we, we, we send our troops around the lava and we keep going because there's a war to fight. And I think, as I often say, and you guys have heard me say this, the, the familial analogies in scripture start to drop off when we move to the pastoral epistles. In other words, we we start talking to leaders about church leadership. We're not talking anymore about brothers and sisters, right? Not that we can't find that word in the pastoral epistles, but the the motifs go to warfare and battle Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, you know, you're a soldier of Christ. To me, that changes the mentality. We're in a war and nothing gets... We don't say, well, we can't schedule the battle today because, you know, it's raining. Uh, We keep moving. And I think that's what makes us say we're going to plant churches during COVID, or anything else about church leadership, keep your eye on the goal, the ball. It's not Wednesday night service. It's not Sunday night service. It's not, right? If we have to meet on Tuesday morning at five, we'll do that if we have to do it because the goal is important, which Mm -hmm. in our case on a meeting is, you know, expository preaching, it's equipping the church, you know, it's worship. It's all the things we have to do. And when it comes to church planning, that's our evangelistic strategy, and we're going to keep doing it till something catastrophic happens like we're all dead or we have no money, even then, we'll, we'll, we'll do whatever we can. So Pastor Mike, we've got men listening here from our church locally, but but from all kinds of different churches. Some of them are involved in church planning, and, and even those here, we're in Southern California, we're 15 minutes from the beach, we, you know, as much as, as Kellen and I might love Texas, I mean, we understand <laughs> that that there's some more appealing things just to the the culture, the environment, the even just the weather here, um, you know, job opportunities, things like that with a few of our church plans, two of them in in particular in Boise and now down in Hill Country in New Braunfels, the call has been issued to families in the church, hey, uproot, sell your home, change your job, take your family away from, for some of them, what they've known for their whole lives right. and go and, and support this church plan. What would you say to the men that are listening that are, have either considered that or this is a totally radical concept to them that they're thinking, why would anyone ever do that? 
and jump on board and, and, and pull their family out of everything that they've ever known. Yeah, and I would move from the corporate focus on keeping your eye on the ball to the personal focus of keeping your eye on the ball. If you are called to minister in a mission field, right, you need to say, am I a missionary? Am I called to this missionary work? And you sense that call, then you should say it wouldn't matter where it is, right? If it's in India, if it's in Africa, if it's in Texas, if it's in Beverly Hills, uh, we're going to go do it, right? Now, of course, there's a bunch of factors involved in that, who the leader is and should I be a part of that particular church plan or mission. But let's put it this way. If, if, if someone knew working here in Orange County in this you know, tech area that we're in, in, in Aliso Viejo, if, if someone said, you know, I'm making uh, $100,000 a year at this company, but if I just go work for Compass Bible Church, I can make $500,000 a year, right? I don't want him to think about that. Mm. I want to think, if you're called to leave your tech job and come work at the church, I don't want you to care about what it what it pays, mm. right? If you have to, if you're you've paid fifty thousand dollars, right, which is usually how it works, you're moving from a big salary to a small salary. <laughs> okay, you're going to take the hit. The problem with us planting on the on the stream of the exodus out of California is that people say, okay, I'm in an apartment where I'm I'm paying twenty eight hundred dollars a month for a two bedroom apartment, and I got three kids. Uh, I can move to Texas and and buy a five bedroom house right. and mortgage it for that amount. So it's like, okay, well, maybe I should go be a missionary there, right? But what if I said, as I've just been encouraged to consider, and some things are happening, you know, maybe we should. Maybe we should plant a church in Pasadena. Maybe we should plant a church in La Cañada. Maybe we should plant a church in these are the high rent districts of Southern California, right? There's a need here. We would be saying to people, you uproot your $2,800 two-bedroom apartment to a $3,800 one-bedroom apartment and you go be a missionary there, right? If that's the calling, I want you to stop thinking about the advantages. Mm. I want you to think about the mission. Keep mm -hmm. your eye on the ball. If you're going to go on a church plant, you're saying, I am of the pioneer spirit in terms of church ministry. I'm an evangelistic type of person. I'm a can wear a multi-hat kind of, of, of person, right? In our church, big church, someone says, well, I, I serve fourth graders in Awana. That's my mission. On the weekend, I serve fourth graders. And great, you got that goal. Church needs that. But if you're like, I can wear 18 different hats on the worship team, I can work with kids, I can do street evangelism, great. Um, if, if you have that and you're called to this particular place, you shouldn't care whether you get a bigger house or a smaller house, whether it has a bigger paycheck, bigger take-home pay or not. I want you to care about the mission. That, that creates the best kind of core team for a church plant. So don't consider going to a church plant based on the square footage or the mortgage that you're going to pay. Uh, worry about the job, because I guarantee you, when the going gets tough in church planning, which it always does, it's hard, right? Uh, you're going to go, well, I'd rather just kind of work on my house here where we were going to paint it and you know, I don't know. It's just, it's like the post-exilic prophets, right? They're concerned about their paneled houses instead of the house of the Lord. And metaphorically, we're concerned with the church plant, right? The programs, the things that are happening there to reach the community, not whether or not I got a more comfortable domestic life. So I would say if you're considering a church plant and going on a church plant, uh, try to put to the back burner where it is. Uh, put to the front, do I feel called to be part of a church planting core team? Because that's what's most important. And that that's going to make for good a, a good, solid player. And we need that. You're building a team, right? A team that's like a, you know, a core team, right? You need the lieutenants. You need the captains. You need the leaders that are going to lead that church. Mm -hmm. And uh, I need them to be focused on what matters most.
Super helpful, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, because the grass is always greener. That wears off really quickly. Really quickly. And uh, if you, your motivation is not the mission of the church, which never changes and shouldn't wear off, then, yeah, it, it, that passion is going to wane for sure. Right, and uh-huh. here's the thing. I know that, you know, I we send out church planners to other states now, and, um, you know, they can have really nice houses and all right. the rest, but... I know, doesn't matter what my house size is, my focus is the church. I'm f- consumed with that. What I have to do to recarpet my house or paint it or whatever is like, uh, whatever. That yeah. doesn't really matter. I'm not sitting around saying another night with my feet up in my recliner, right? So, you know, of course we all need to rest, but I'm just saying that the house is, um, you know, the, the standard of living, not the important part of all right. this. And if it is to you, then maybe you need to check your motive as right. to why you want to go. You want to be a layer of fat, and I hate to use that phrase, but you want to be just, you know, <laughs> you want to be a warm body in the pew, right? Just kind of fill the new church up. Uh, okay, I guess that. There's going to be plenty of that. But what we need at, in core teams is committed, highly committed participants, as we call it around here. Well, we've got uh, some listeners in Texas and some, I'm sure, in the, the San Antonio, New Braunfels area. Can you, Pastor Mike, just uh, tell us a little bit about this new church that we are getting ready to launch and uh, how people can find out some more information about that, who's going to be leading it? And uh, yeah, there'd yeah. be a great opportunity to give them some uh, some airtime. Well, this is the first time we're planning with a guy who's got a degree in church planning, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I, I bet he would tell you, uh, Pastor Hayden Thomas, that he's learned a lot about church planning being here on our <laughs> staff, maybe more than he learned in the classrooms. But uh, Hayden Thomas and Kayla, his wife, are a great couple, young couple, planting between Austin and San Antonio, Texas. You say hill country. I didn't know where that was until we started to work on planning this church. Um, but in, in that kind of north, I guess, northeast side of San Antonio, mm-hmm. um, it's a it's one of the fastest growing areas in the country. That's why we go there, places like that, uh, because, you know, people are coming, and when they shift from one locale to another, they're interested in, you know, trying churches out. They're thinking about, you know, God in a different way. So it's a great ripe mission field. Uh, this church is a church that uh, is starting officially in September. We have a building, uh, and it's right there in the heart of New Braunfels, Texas. Uh, it's a great um, core team that we just sent off. I had a wonderful time. I'm still reading through a stack of notes that the core team wrote me personally, and I just it blesses my heart to know that they're going out with a, a strong commitment to see this be a successful, fruitful church. And um, we've, we've sent them off officially. We've still got a few stragglers that are moving out there, but uh, Pastor Hayden is already out there. Uh, the website is what you tell me what the website is. Do you know the website address? Uh, Compass Bible. Let me pull it up. I should know that. <laughs> it's it's bookmarked for me. Yeah. But yeah, if you just type in Compass Bible Church in New Hill Braunfels, Country, yeah. I th- yeah, is it called Compass Hill Country, perhaps? CompassHillCountry.org. CompassHillCountry.org. If it weren't that, that would be the address I would have picked. So. Right, right. That's <laughs> Pastor Hayden picked that, and uh, yeah, he's out there. He's a great guy, and it's good. He's got roots uh, back there in Texas. Right. He fits in well. We're sending a missionary back to a place he can speak the language, and uh, I think it's going to be a great church. I know the people are excited to be servants in that community and evangelists in that community. So New Braunfels has got a history of... A, of a, Germanic, uh, you know, Germany, uh, you get a lot of uh, German words out there. Uh, Schlitterbahn, the biggest uh, uh, water park in the world. Uh, There's a perk, I guess. Keep it on the back burner, but you can send your kids to the biggest water park in the world, apparently, (laughs) at least in the country. And uh, yeah, if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come check it out. 
and I am excited about the fact that we're starting this church, the first one we've ever started day one uh, with a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week building. Yeah. So good. And God has opened a door there, so we're excited. It's a running start, and we can't wait to hear what happens. Good. Good. Well, Pastor Mike, thanks for your time. Thanks for joining us on this uh, this podcast, this episode, talking about this important subject. Uh, man, if, if you uh, have not been exposed to Pastor Mike's preaching, Pastor Kellen and I get to enjoy it week in and week out here at Compass Bible Church. Um, you can find resources at our church website, compasschurch.org, but also at focalpointministries.org, which is the uh, radio ministry of Pastor Mike Fabares. And so you can go to focalpointministries.org. And in fact, if you go there today on the front page, believe it or not, it says, Your Gender Matters to God, What God Expects from Men, Part A. That's today's broadcast. Wow. So um, there you go, man. That was totally unplanned, and uh, and yet there it is. What that God wasn't that controversial when I first preached that <laughs> message, but it's becoming <laughs> more controversial by the day. Yeah. Well, we'll have to have you back on, Pastor Mike, and maybe we can talk about some uh, of the ways we can navigate some of what's going on in our culture. Um, Absolutely. And stay faithful to what God is calling men to do. But, uh, men, we're thankful for you tuning in, and we will continue to pray for you this week as you continue to strive to be quality men. Of God.